Hello and welcome to The Huddle, brought to you by Wilson, au.wilson.com. Uh, we took a week off, it's all happening in the NBL Cup. The games are coming thick and fast, but we're back and we're back with the great man, Andrew Gaze, as we break down everything that's going on in NBL 21. We, we talk about Copes, Leonard Copeland, the dynamic duo, back together in, in the commentary. Um, we, we talk about the Adelaide 36ers. The Isaac Humphreys injury, the impact that'll have on this team. Of course, they lost by 44 the other day. Help is on the way with Brandon Paul. What kind of impact he's going to have and where that team is at. Uh, and we talk about the Wildcats. Um, they're flying. The brilliance of Bryce Cotton, the tremendous play of John Mooney and, and, and uh, everything about how that, that team is going right now. We have a little discussion about the Hawks. They've won just two of their last seven after that four and zip start Illawarra. And, and we talk a little bit about why that's happening and what they need to do. Um, we look at early MVP contenders, um, uh, the, the podium. Who's on the podium right now as far as the MVP stands about a third of the way through the season? We discuss the coaches challenge. Um, the impact that's have having on the league right now and, and whether we like it or not. And uh, we finish up by finding out who Drewy is loving to watch right now in the NBL. So sit back, relax. Up next, Andrew Gaze. All right, well, we've got the, uh, the great man, the factor. Drewy, uh, thanks for, for jumping on uh, for another chat, mate. We're two weeks into the NBL Cup, nearly two months now into this, uh, this NBL season. Uh, are you enjoying all this basketball every night of the week? I am. It's, um, it's exciting. I think it's always good when you're at home and you just want to watch some hoops that uh, you don't have to wait a day. I think it's only probably, what, Mondays and Tuesdays that we get a spell. So it's, um, it's fantastic and uh, the quality's been really good and... I think um, it's uh, there's certain teams that are going through this period that's going to have a very significant impact on their, either their prospects to make the finals or uh, where they may finish in the finals. So it's um, it's it's wide open, and um, every single game, as we saw with uh, New Zealand, who were going seemingly going through a really tough period, uh, pulled off a just the odd forty point win <laughs> against the Adelaide Thirty Sixers. So. Anyone can beat anyone on any given night, and which makes for exciting basketball. Um, that was that was a fun game, big win for the Breakers. But of course, the most important thing that happened that night wasn't actually in the arena. It was Ooh. it was in the hub. Oh yes, you. it was in the hub with the great man Leonard <laughs> Copeland. The dynamic duo reunited, and uh, <laughs> you were um, you're throwing the lobs like old oh, times but i tell you what oh, the big fella just like old times he was throwing them down with some authority no it was it was great fun and um obviously it's a it's a lot easier to do when you've got a connection a long long standing relationship really good friends with Leonard. we spend a lot of time together so it's um it makes it a whole lot easier but now he's a natural he's a very funny man and really i don't actually think he he took the shackles off and really mm-hmm got out there he was just kind of line and length for him it was line <laughs> and length for him so uh hopefully he gets another opportunity and we can he can really express himself because he's got a lot to offer he's got an interesting mind he's got a lot of uh sharp thoughts about teams and players and 
I think we scratched the surface and, and hopefully more opportunities ahead. And did I see on uh, on social media this morning, in fact, I'm very confident that I did, oh, that yeah. uh, not only are you guys, re, I mean, obviously you've been getting it done on the golf course and reun- and, and united again, of course, in, in the hub behind the microphone, but but on floor coming up, the king of Moomba is, is back. Is that? Is that- <laughs> oh, no, no, yes. No, we were, uh, myself, Lennart, I think Mark Bradke's going to come along and another tiger, wildcat, hawk, in Marcus Timmons. Actually, I think he also played, spent some time with the Sixers as well, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He bounced around a bit towards the end of his career. I think Marcus is coming along. They've got mm-hmm. the um, three times three or three X three. What are they actually? What's the right? Three X three. Yeah. Three X three. Yeah. The hustle. Is, the hustle is going to be happening at Moomba. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set up a whole court and we're going down and I'm not sure we can run around and actually play, but we might. Yeah, we might be able to still shoot up a few, but I doubt very much we'll be um, we'll be competing too hard. None of us can can get around that all that nimbly anymore. And uh, any anything above a, a jog and my calf and hamstrings start to scream out for me, out to me, and say, "Hey, I've done enough of this." So just pull it back a yard. So uh, no, I don't think we'll be actually competing too much. Although. I remember when um, we were playing, when we were, Bernard and I were coaching with the Sydney Kings, mm-hmm. uh, he used to tell the fellas that he could still dunk. Mm. And he actually made some very large bets with some of our players that he could still dunk. And it was mm-hmm. just before Christmas and uh, it was time. We gave him about four weeks to get ready uh-huh. and uh, he could not dunk. Oh, no. So it was a few a attempts. A bit, a few attempts, oh, and it was no. it was somewhat somewhat painful to watch to see my oh. brother going about it and just not being able to get up there. I think you can still dunk a tennis ball, but that's about the extent of it, which is hard to see because you know, Liam, I can't having, picture it. And that's it. You've no. got this high flying mm. individual that I mean, elbows and head around the rim <laughs> now, just sort of. No. over the tin can type father stuff. time is undefeated as Correct. we know I, i'm picturing uh woody harrelson uh, white man can't jump style you know well where... it was it was really hard to watch okay. but um but we tried everything we tried i tried just gently alley-ooping it up there and uh no it, it cost him quite substantially because he wasn't able to fulfill uh what he had promised oh no him. well i did say the 3x3 for the big fella hoax will work out quite nicely i mean no only the ball needs to get beyond the arc <laughs> that's it well <laughs> actually yeah are you have you you done any commentary yeah the 3X3? yeah yeah it is super quick it's a lot Very it's quick. somewhat misled and it's real. okay though control the tempo well that's true and and the thing that would fit right in the hoagie sweet spot yes massively physical you're Very allowed to physical. beat the crap out of people in- oh, <laughs> he's I gonna mean, be is, a nightmare it is brutal the way in which they uh promote a three on three and and how physical it can be so i think that's right in hoagie sweet spot mm-hmm. and he would he would be an elite three on three on three but he is even worse than us because he has recently had a knee replacement. Oh, so he's, he's got a new knee. He, he's a surfer now <laughs> and can just walk 18 holes only just because it's uh, his knee's no good. So he's in no condition to be running around. Well, speaking of some guys with some sore spots, um, we've seen a whole bunch of injuries in the NBL in recent times, we which have. has been a bit of a downer. 
Jarrell and, and key players. Yes. Too, right? Martin in Sydney, Lamar in, in New Zealand, uh, Kiefer Sykes, Majuk Deng at a really bad time for the Taipans yes. where they were just starting to, to get rolling. Jack White, of course. But the latest Isaac one. Isaac Humphreys is the recent one. Well, exactly. Isaac Humphreys. So that's four to six weeks with the, with the foot injury. Terrible. Coming off the back of a really rough weekend for the 36ers. Where does this leave this squad right now? Well, given how important Isaac was, has been for the Adelaide 36ers, he's been an absolute revelation. I don't think anyone questioned Isaac's ability, mm-hmm. but I don't think too many people would have had him contributing like he was, has been doing. Playing with great passion, rebounding the ball really well, protecting the rim, leading the mm-hmm. league in, in block shots and making sure everyone knew about that as well, counting them, <laughs> which is great. I love that. Yes. There's certain stats that you don't like play, players to really focus on. Block shots is not one of them. And if he's blocking those shots, good on him for wanting to get those rewards for it. Um, so it is a huge setback mm. for the Adelaide 36ers. And, and they're hanging around, you know, the six and seven. I don't think too many people had them, would have pegged them to be six and seven at this stage of the season. And um, so they were, I think they were playing above expectations, but to lose a big, big piece um, is is going to be hard to replace. You don't replace a 6'10 guy that runs the floor like a gazelle, really good in the on-ball situation. So he is going to be um, badly missed. Now, the only upside for the Adelaide fans is that Brandon Paul... I'm, I can't wait for him to get out here because I tried to get him. Well, we tried to get him when we was at the Sydney Kings. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we were trying to get him, he was, um, it was at Summer League and he was with Brett Brown. Okay. And as you know, I'm good friends with Brett Brown. I said, yep. mate, we're really keen on Brandon Paul. We're talking to his agent, you know, a little pricey, but we, we, we might be able to work something out. And he said, yeah, no problems. He goes, no problems. Listen, I, he's not going to make our team. So, you know, give me five days and I'll talk him up and, and, and try and steer him towards you. And then three days in, he came back and he said, oh, I might've been a bit quick on Brandon <laughs> and Paul because we're coaches. We, we're quite like him. Oh, you know, he's going along. He's going along nicely, but I'm pretty sure he's going to be okay. But I just wanted to give you the heads up. Make sure you don't put all your eggs in this basket. Right. Because they're, and then three days after that three days. So a week later he goes, Sorry, mate, he's off the table. You're signing him. <laughs> so, no. so, you talked him into Brandon Paul. <laughs> he, he, um, he never ended up with us, but I, I thought he was a perfect NBL player. Good size, can shoot the ball. He's got a bit of a, a nasty streak in him, in a nice way, but at that real competitive nasty streak in him on the defensive end. And uh, got a little bit of bounce. Okay. Um, and can shoot it, of course. So... I think he's going to be a really, really good player in our league. Might take him a few games to um, adjust, but I see him as an elite player. So that's something that will offset Humphrey, uh, the loss of Isaac for a little while. Uh, Place the uh, um, uh, recruitment of Michael Bryson into the timeline. I mean, sorry, Michael Bryson, Brandon Brandon Paul Paul, into the timeline for me. Was that, did that end up being Michael Bryson? Did that end up being David Ware? Where did that go? No, that that was in the um, that was in our second year, I think it was. So it was after the first year. Okay. So it was um, it was in that one where we were hunting around and we were um, uh, you know we, we were we had high hopes for him and and we thought that um, him and Perry Ellis would uh, yep. 
would would be a really good combination. So um, yeah, it, it didn't work out with him. But in that same year, we ended up with um, with uh, Jerome Randall. So it, 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 we got a a different look, completely different look, but still right. ended up with a a really good player. And is he? I mean, can is he's going to come in slinging, right? Because this need, team needs instant impact. I mean, because I'm I'm really worried about this team right now. He's not going to be here for this coming week. They play Illawarra and Cairns, yeah. who are both really desperate and super. Yeah. You know, you would hope super. We haven't seen the type. They didn't look super motivated last weekend. Some of them, but we hope that they come out that way this week. Um, and then Brandon should be out of quarantine. I, I'm worried that we're, we're you know that 44 point loss to the Breakers. We're starting. Mm. We're we're at the top of a free fall potentially here for this 36ers squad. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that I put that as an aberration. I don't think that that is them. And and when you look at the timeline that got them to there with a really mm. young team, I think that they, they looked fatigued in that game. Mm. And New Zealand quality team, high quality team that haven't been getting the results. And it was only a matter of time before they clicked. And I mm. think it was one of those ones where everything – fell in place for the breakers and everything fell out of place for the Adelaide 36ers. So I wouldn't, obviously you're concerned when you lose by 44 or whatever it was, Mm. but I don't read too much into that other than the L Uh, Mm -hmm. it was a loss to in a game where I think a lot of people expected to win just because New Zealand had been so poor. Mm. But, um, but I, 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 I think the loss of Isaac is, is more significant than the, than the loss of the game. And, yeah. and I think with Brandon coming in and um, uh, with, with what we've seen with Adelaide so far, uh, I, I think they have a chance to hang around. You know, they, they just need to hang around until Isaac gets back. And, um, you know, you look at the Cairns Taipans and what they're going through. Oh, I have some significant concerns about their prospects this season. Because they, they, they go through periods where they just can't score. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they'll try and, yep, you can point to things on the defensive end of what's happening. But to me, there's been some periods where things are going okay, but they just mm. can't put the ball in the hole. Mm. And, um, you know, with Majuk Deng now, with problems there, it just becomes even harder for them. So um, I think... I think both those teams are really going to struggle to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but it's what you can make of the season and mm-hmm. how you move forward. And um, and Adelaide, as I understand it, signing Jack Purchase gets mm-hmm. a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, been training with Melbourne United, six foot eight, can shoot the ball. Maybe this uncovers a, a player for them for the future. So there, there's still a lot to like about what lies ahead for Adelaide, not just for this season, but beyond. Great that Jack comes in to have that opportunity and uh, see what, you know, he's been hanging out for this type of uh, chance to get back into the league and, and potentially get some run. But I think probably the guy who gets the biggest opportunity now is Jack McVeigh. Right? Yes. I mean, well, he came out. Oh, yeah. he, he was terrific. And he's, he's just been champing at the bit to try to get out there, get some minutes, put 20 on the board the other night. Uh, well, if you're Connor Henry now, this week against Illawarra and Cairns, yeah. I mean, it's Jack McVeigh that comes into the starting lineup, right? Not Keanu Pinder. Yeah, I don't think there's much doubt about that. Right. I think Keanu is, to me, he's been a little frustrating to watch because um, I don't think that he's going about it in a way in which suits 
what is best for him. Mm-hmm. I saw him play a little bit at Arizona when he was there. So I haven't seen a lot of him, but to me, he's that rebounder, high energy guy coming off the bench, defensive nightmare, you know, just being really hard to deal with. Um, and then little gimmies around the basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me is his role for the time being of where he's at right now and for that team. But it looks like he's out there just hovering around the perimeter, wanting to be a shooter. Teams are allowing him to shoot and wanting him to shoot from the perimeter. Um, and and he's, it looks like he's, he's struggling to, to find a way how to, 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 to deal with that. Um, so I think that Jack McVeigh is going to get an opportunity. I thought he was fantastic, not just because of he's hit some shots, but he brings that energy. Yes. He brings something different. He's bouncing around. He's got this great <laughs> body language and you just feel like this is what, we're, this, is what this team really needs. Yep. Now, unfortunately, he couldn't find too many running mates against uh, New Zealand, but um, that type of excitement when you're on the floor can be infectious. And I think that they, they really need it because if you look at some of the guys that they have on their team, they're, they're, they're very good players, but they don't bring that personality as such. Whereas he does, so I, if he can continue to make the perimeter shot, then you know he's going to have a very long and successful career in this uh, in this league. But because of those other things, he, he looks like a delight to coach because he's engaged. Mm. He, he just got to uh, you don't have to coach effort or energy with him. Mm-hmm. Got to get better at his shot, but you could see. I think he was four or four in that first half. Mm-hmm. And um, he has the, the mindset and the technique to be a, a, a very good shooter. From a team or two in Adelaide and Cairns who are kind of struggling a little bit at the moment to one that is absolutely flying, soaring the Perth Wildcats, yep. the two-time defending champs. Now, you didn't... I mean, it comes as no surprise your good self because while the rest of us boneheads were questioning <laughs> their pedigree coming into the season yeah. you said don't worry about a single thing well wildcats will be in amongst it and they're three and zip at the cup yep five and three now overall rocking rolling john mooney is everything trevor gleason wanted him to be and moise yes. shooting the rock like andrew gaze <laughs> yes from the well, hang from, on a second from, you might have got a little bit well, too far but well, we know what you mean well he's 10 for 14 <laughs> did you start a season 10 for 14 no, never never <laughs> because if i was 10 for 14 i guarantee you i'm waking up a whole lot more because so it's uh unlikely i would mean that but uh you, you you spot on i think the perth wildcats um, are doing what I thought they would do. Mm. You, you know, and a lot of it is personnel. And they've got really, like you say, Mooney is a superstar. And of course, Bryce Cotton, he just continues to, to do what Bryce Cotton does. Mm. But the thing and, and why I didn't um, jump off the Perth Wildcats is it's a system-based team. Mm. They run their structure that they've been running for a whole long, for a long, long period of time. Uh, that the players buy in and fit into that system. And as such, you always feel confident that they're going to be able to perform to a certain level. And given the talent that they've got, it was, it was to me, it was always they're going to be thereabouts. Can they win it? Why not? From what we're seeing right now. And if Bryce Cotton gets his citizenship and they get another one, then absolutely. But um, 
you know, I, I think that they are still a, a top four championship contender team. Um, and they're demonstrating it now with their, the efficiency that they play at. They really control the tempo. And full credit to Trevor Gleeson because he's built, built a system that you can plug players into rather than just recruiting talent and letting them play, which is mm. what a lot of teams do. And mm. there's nothing wrong with that. But they get talented players that also buy in the system. To me, that's better than talented players playing basketball. Right, right. And, and of course, the guy it all revolves around is Bryce Cotton. And that's what... And, and Trevor talks about that being the thing that makes Cotton so special. The skill, of course, and how hard he plays and everything, but yep. his unselfishness. He's the most unselfish superstar you could ever hope for because... Yep. I think the best element of his game this year has been his his ability to set up his teammates. Yep. The way teams are playing him and they're running doubles and they're hard showing and they're blitzing him on those pick yep. and rolls. They're getting the ball out of his hands. He's getting seven, nine dimes. And in crucial moments, those guys are stepping up and hitting shots. And then at the same time, you look across the box, the box score or the stat leaders and he's still leading the league yep. in scoring. And it, and I, and, I, and when, when I think about these things, I always recall Trevor at Summer League, yep. the off-season after Cotton put 45 on the board in the grand final. Yep. And we all said he's too good for this league and we'll never see him again. And he went to the Summer League, played for the Atlanta Hawks. They ran him as a point guard. He was absolutely tiny yes. out there on that <laughs> NBA hardwood. And, and, and it just didn't happen for him. And, and seeing Trevor walk the casino floor with this huge Cheshire grin on his face. And Tommy and I said, what's going on with you, mate? What's he said, oh, yeah, we just re-signed. We yeah. just re-signed, Bryce. We just yeah. got the deal done. And, yeah. he, and that organisation has yeah. never looked back since. No, of course not. And it's, I think it's a, a credit to Bryce with his attitude as well as his skill. I don't know him. You know, I've shook his hand a few times, had mm -hmm. very brief conversations with him. But you can tell a lot by a guy's personality on the floor mm. and you can tell a lot by uh, in those brief interviews after the game and the way he speaks and communicates. And I think that he is a, um, he's a blessing to our competition and he's one that, that, again, I don't want to diminish Bryce because you know how much I love Bryce, mm. but... Um, but he's doing it within a system as well. And you talk about the assists and the way in which he's setting up players. And yes, there is incredible skill that Bryce brings to the table in order to deliver that. But also it's done in a very structured way. It's mm -hmm. done in a very methodical way about how you do it. And you, you, you look at um, uh, the, the running mates that they have uh, within Mitch Norton, I think is, ably fitting into that um, that Damian Martin role mm. um, that, that, that he has in, in, in that system. I think Toddy Blanchfield comes in and um, plays his role perfectly. And, um, and of course, we've spoken about Mooney and Jesse Wagstaff um, being there so long, knows exactly what needs to be done and also educates these other guys about how it needs to be done and holds people accountable. So... I think all those things make the Wildcats a um, again a, a consistent and perennial championship contender, and there's still a lot of basketball to play be played. And we've seen already. You look what's happened to Melbourne United, the Sydney Kings, the injury issues that they have gone through. 
absolutely anything can happen. But um, just this consistent nature of, of what the, the Perth Wildcats bring to the, to the team, it, it's, um, it's crazy to look, to look past them. And I think the other one, though, that I'm, I'm not concerned about, but the other one that's jumping out to me is saying, well, hang on, there's a few little alarm bells ringing here is, is the Illawarra Hawks, because I had them. I had them in my top four. Mm-hmm. With Sydney. Um, which, uh, yes, and, and um, that wasn't necessarily a, a, an overly popular view. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen now that, that as teams get more familiar with the personnel and their, 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 their characteristics, that, you know, they're, they're starting to figure out um, the Illawarra Hawks a little bit more. And I think the thing that stuck out to me is this... Uh, I had an expectation of how they're going to play because of Brian Gorgian. Yep. Um, they're a little bit different to what I thought. Quicker. I, 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 in, in that their willingness to take early shots, their willingness to, to push the floor, the mm-hmm. tempo at which they play at. If you go back to... Brian Gorgian's history, long, long successful history, there wasn't a lot of that in there. Maybe in the early days, if you go back to when he first started with Dean Utoff and Darren Lucas um, throwing full court passes and, and, and running the floor like that. But notwithstanding that, if you take that out of it, the rest of it has been real methodical in order that you play the best defense you possibly can. Yep. And the pace at which they're playing does put a lot of, lot of pressure on them defensively. So that's probably been the biggest surprise. That they do, They're still playing really well, and I still think that they'll, they'll make it. And um, Tyler Harvey and Justinian Jeffs, they, they're real fun to watch. Love them the way they play, but, I'm, mm. but they are a little bit different to, to how I envisaged that they were going to play. And, and in all honesty, as far as the aesthetic is concerned, I'm pleased for that. I think it's 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 better. <laughs> yeah, they. Um, you talked about them how they're being defended right now. Teams getting to know those guys. I mean, it's yes. the scouting is kind of coming into play. We see teams denying Tyler Harvey in the backcourt, yes. make other guys handle it, so he can't just kill you with those push up threes off the drag screens and and the pull ups. We see him doing a great job off the ball with Justinian Jessup. He's having a really difficult time yes. getting open off the ball now and of course teams sending both those guys to their right hands doing everything they possibly can which chronically, chronically. <laughs> it sounds simple but it's you know it's such a crucial thing yeah. to do with with those guys what's the the response now from gorgian and this hawks to to right this ship get back on track you got dang adele Cambesto yeah. coming in the mix adele's not flowing or or going Yet, how do they get back to what they were doing to begin the season and open those floodgates? Well, I think it comes down to ongoing refinement of your offense. Say, well, this is the way teams are going to play us now. This is what they're going to do to to Tyler and and Justinian. How now do we we continue to evolve what we're doing on the offensive end in order to get them their looks? Because Mm. they're shown when they get their looks, they are very very tough to stop mm. so how do you continually do that and balance that with um what you're doing at the other end of the floor and because they're coming down and and 
it's been almost been NBA like with those guys. Steph cut like, like not just threes. I mean, these are deep threes, <laughs> really early in in the offense. Yeah, and um, and that's been a good thing. It's it's when when they're cooking and those things are falling, that's been great. But as teams, as you say, to continue to do uh, deal with that, how do you create those same type of opportunities in in the half court? And um, probably if you look at the last couple of games, more importantly, hey what do we need to tidy up down the other end of the floor? Right. How do we tidy that up a little bit in order? Because we, we get nows. We're still getting, you know, putting up some decent numbers. Mm. But how in which you tidy up? And that's where you think of an individual. And I would expect that that's going to be the priority for, for, for Gorge. Mm. And that's what he's best at mm. is, well, okay. Well, even if we, we will we'll try and modify things here and, and tweak it. But even with what we're doing right now, even if we just keep doing the same, as long as we can tidy up a little bit down the other end, we're back to, to, to having an advantage. Mm-hmm. So um, it'd be interesting. it's interesting to watch up strate- watch strategically what these teams are doing because mm-hmm. if you look at all the teams, and, and, and I look at it from a strategic standpoint more so than just the wins and losses and the athleticism, as I look at it, a lot of teams are running very similar action. Mm-hmm. Their actions are... Are very similar. The method you get to the point might be a little different, but how you're going to create shots, there's a lot of similarities with them. With with probably, the, as Leonard, we were talking about this in the commentary was mentioned, with probably the exception of being the Perth Wildcats mm-hmm. with their flex action and and what they how they create their opportunities. Mm. And then in that situation, as as you know, I'm like it comes down to not what you run, but how you run it. Hundred percent. Whether Correct. whether you you making contact on those screens, you know, whether you're sprinting into those yep. actions, whether you're doing those, whether the ball's sticking or the ball's moving or how you run it, but then also what you're getting done down the other end. Correct. And, and, and I spoke about this on, on NBL overtime today where there's a, that the foot, like a guy like Ding Adele, that's gotta be the focus right now. Just can't, you know what I mean? Like take all yeah. the pressure off what you're doing at the offensive end, come out and defend at a high level. Yep. Get, get rebounds. We saw Dion Vassie, if it get 10, defensive rebounds yes the other day and then you know if you're defending and you're rebounding the coach is going to leave you out there on the floor Correct. you know if you're if you're a guy that they have confidence in your ability to to eventually knock down shots and we've seen you know like uh anthony Dremick was 100 percent from the three had 20 points the other night he came into the presser and he said you know what i came in and i just focused on defense and rebounding correct and and harry froling came out the other night he's been struggling he came out the other night, had eight rebounds, two offensive, got himself. Go- and then the next game, all of a sudden, he's feeling a lot more confident. Yep. He's, and there's a Kawat Noy needs to be like that. You know, there's, and yeah. I feel like Dengadel is just the perfect. Scotty Hobson has had to take that mentality into his last few games. And Dengadel for me is the perfect example of that because he came out in advance of this season and said, Liam, I want to be the defensive player of the year. And I said, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, like that's not what he's traditionally done over the course of his career that's not been him so gorge said brilliant i'm gonna hold you to that but he hasn't been that guy no no and i think a lot of it um and i used to do the same believe it or not is that when you take your focus off what you're doing, it almost relieves some of your pressure. So you stop thinking mm. about your shot as much and, well, bugger me, 
thing starts to drop because right. you, you, you've really put a priority and your focus and all your thoughts are going into these other areas. So a lot of that is just as much as it is in here yep. as it is actually doing better on those areas. You might go out there and say, well, I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to make a commitment and I'm going to go get every rebound. You might not get any more rebounds than you normally do, but the mere <laughs> fact that that's in your head, you're thinking about that and you're, oh, by the way, I'm going to show oh, you, yeah, I'm open, I'll just shoot it. And you're not thinking about the outcome of your shot, things get uh, a whole lot better. Mm. But um, now, Dengadel hasn't reached the level which he's capable of reaching and he's got some hard luck stories because of it, you know, with injuries and mm. um, he's missed some time. But it was interesting with Brian Gorgian, and I actually 100% agree with him uh, after one of their games. There's been that many games the last uh, <laughs> weeks. I can't remember after which game it was, but yeah. he came out and he actually conceded. He said, listen, I need to I need to figure out my rotations. Yeah. You know, right now, he's some of the games in the first quarter, he's played 10 guys. Mm. In one of the games, he actually might have got 11 in there in one <laughs> quarter. And again, yeah. this is not... Uh, how he used to, what you used to see. Rob Rose playing when he played for the Magic. I mean, we're going a long way back now, but back in the night, he'd be playing forty six. He was playing almost as much as me, and that's yeah. saying something. He's playing forty six <laughs> minutes a game. Um, yeah, and it's not what he did with this team at the start of the year when those guys were out because he didn't have them there to put on. Correct. That's that's my point to say when they when the now you should never. You, you, of course, they're better off with Dengendel. And Cam Besto. Of course they are. They're they're just better talent. But the reality of it is they look more cohesive and look more relaxed and more comfortable when they weren't there. And they were getting some really impressive wins. Mm. So you got to get back to that mentality that they had when they weren't there with them there. And, of course, you're going to be better off. But now trying to play all these guys, ultimately – each coach is different. You look at Will Weaver last year and he got a, you know, he, he played a lot sub regularly and, mm. and, and was perfect for what they do. So there's no, not always a right or wrong, mm. but for me, you're playing eight guys, a little bit of extra insurance with some of these other guys and you get that comfort level with your main eight guys. And that's how I think you get the, that that for a player, yep. how you get that comfort level where far less stress on your shot, far less stress, and having to feel like you've got to be pr- productive in three or four minutes before you're going to uh, come out. And 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 Brian was alluding to that. Now, if if that is the case, then someone who who is it that that, that doesn't get as much time? You know. Unfortunately, it's probably someone like Dang Dang who in the last game didn't play too much. And, and maybe that's one of the guys that that um, that has to sacrifice. Uh, I don't know. I hope not because he's one of my guys. I love him to death. And, yeah. Um, I, mean, that, I think you, you, they're in their 11 right now. I, I would say you'd look at Max Darling, Dang Dang and Isaac White and say we're playing the other eight predominantly. And then we'll see where you guys can, can get in because we see you Drew, you back. We see it time and time again, right? Mm. Like you, the Taipans last year with Mike Kelly, when he started the season, the first few games, and yep. he, everyone's getting a run. You know, everybody's playing, and then he didn't. It didn't tighten for them out of injury or out of necessity. It tightened because he tightened it. 
Yeah. He just said, you know what? I'm coming down and playing these guys. And the New Zealand last year, Corey Webster is an elite talent. Mm-hmm. You would, you know, like, and you can see it right now. You yes. would hate to not have Corey Webster right now, but they got much better Correct. when he wasn't there. And the breakers right now, I think are, right, are better and have a better mix and a better chemistry and a better flow without Lamar Patterson. Yeah. And, and, and we, and that we, we're seeing it with the Hawks right now in the other direction. So that at the moment, those guys are all healthy, but that's probably, that's probably the answer. And then on the flip side, and you have, you, it's not always the obvious solution. So there are some teams right now, like Melbourne United, yeah, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Brisbane Bullets. They're run- Sam Short's getting plenty of run. You <laughs> well, know, not plenty like- of run, but he's getting consistent run, but maybe not plenty of run. But right. he's playing. He's coming in. You know, almost by the clock at the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter. First quarter, Sam Short's coming in, regardless. And okay, he gets a bit of a look, and and sometimes that is good if you if you particularly in their circumstance as it is right now. You put him in early just in case you need him later on. Right. So they've got in there, they've got a feel for the game. They feel like they're a part of it. And then, you know, you, you reassess from there on out. But it's, it's a real juggling out when you play a 40-minute game and you've got guys that legitimately and absolutely worthy and are capable of playing. Mm. You know, and, and that's why I mentioned Deng Deng because Deng Deng was in that category when I was with the Sydney Kings. Tommy Wilson was in that category when, when I was with the Sydney Kings. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's Tommy Gallup as a veteran was in it the, the year that that same category that you say they're, they're more than capable of playing right but you're just trying to find that that right mix and sometimes you don't get it right as a coach and and you, you've got to figure it out and clearly Mike Kelly did a great job as you mentioned last year of making those adjustments Brian's alluded to it and, and seen it and going geez I'm still got to say, well, can I actually play all these guys? Is that going to be the best option for us in that high-energy pace game that he's trying to play? Well, maybe, but he's questioning himself, saying, well, I've got to figure it out, and that's what that's what all coaches go through. With the way the MVP works at the moment, the Andrew Gaze trophy, Thank let's you. call it, you know... The- <laughs> <laughs> the way the Andrew Gay's trophy works at the moment is not <laughs> yes. the, the, the game by game votes, no, as it was previously. Yes, um, and so I, it's a, it's a kind of a chance to look overall at the season, at the teams, at what's played out, and kind of assess and 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 then the players, the coaches, they yeah, uh, lay down their votes. I, I'm going to say we're about a third of the way yep. through the season. Are we are we both on the same page that Bryce Cotton's the MVP right now? In my view, yes, because of the way that he played, what the numbers that he's been putting up, and how he's got led his team mm-hmm. for sure. Okay, but but there's a there's, I mean, there's a bunch. Why I would say a similar thing to Jock Landau. Well, so let's I want, yeah. let's talk about the the podium. Yep. <laughs> the podium, the MVP podium. Bryce Cotton sitting at the top, but Jock Landau, Mitch Creek, Nathan Soby. Tyler Harvey, heck, Bryce Cotton's hey. got a guy next to him running. He's running to mate, John Mooney, who's all in the first team for me right now. Isaac Humphreys has been sensational. I was about to mention him. I but thought it's... you were going to leave him out because <laughs> he would be in that conversation as well. Where do we fit these guys onto the silver and bronze medal positions right now? It is it is really tough. I think there's such a long way to go, thank goodness, and it will ultimately sort itself out where these guys are there. I think of all those that you mentioned, the guy that 
I think has been the most consistent, or not the most consistent, I shouldn't say that, has been incredibly consistent mm. and doesn't get the same, I don't think has been given the same noise as some of those others as potential candidates, is Mitch Creek. I think that he is putting together some sort of season. The leadership he's showing, the points, the three, the three ball, oh, the, that toughness on the defensive end. For whatever reason, um, maybe because you know they had they were on the road a lot and lost a few games early on. I'm not so sure. His numbers, and I don't have any numbers in front of me, but the last time I looked, his numbers were super impressive. And again, he makes his team, in my view he makes his teammates better. And this season, unlike perhaps a little bit last season where you can tell early on, well, I, I want to show the world that I can shoot a three. Not, not in a bad way, but mm. he is being very patient, being taking what's there, but at certain times in games, stepping up big when he knows he needs to step up. So I would probably have, I would have him in on that podium right now. Mm -hmm. Again, I might be a bit of an outlier here because I haven't heard the same types of of talk about him as some of the fresh guys like Isaac because mm. you know maybe it's because coming from Corey and he's the loudest the <laughs> loudest voice gets heard them or in the most or um but but yeah I, I think that um uh Mitch is there and and the other one that I have just because they've only lost one game is Jock yeah. Landau. Yeah and again his numbers aren't they're really, really good, but they're not off the charts. They're, they're, they're there. What averaging is 16, 17 points a game. He's a double, walking double, double. But what he does in games, big shots, stretch the floor, runs the floor. I, I mean, I I watch this kid guy run, and, and to me, this is Mark Greggy running the floor. The, the pace at which he can get up and down the floor, mm. um, you know, does a an underrated job of protecting the rim. I think he does that okay, you know, he does that well. And um, they would be in a lot worse place without Jock Landale right at the moment. So mm -hmm. I think that he he's, if you wanted my top three right now, that would probably be my top three with the mm -hmm. greatest respect to those others because they haven't done a lot wrong to miss out on the podium. But such as an Olympic <laughs> field, you just got to, there's someone that's just got to come up and, and things, we're only in the heats right now. So who knows, <laughs> someone might come make a charge and uh, eventually get there. Um, I want to ask you about the coaches challenge. Some funky that we're seeing as a part yeah. of this NBL Cup. Are we? Are you feeling it? I'm not feeling it. I'm not. And having said that, uh, I think that there is a couple of games that have been critical. There's been a couple Huge. of calls mm -hmm. where they've been absolutely critical. Mm. Crocker uh, not fouling yeah. out. That game That's turned on on that challenge. Yeah. Huge. 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 Um, so there have been some some really important ones that that have, have happened, but just the inconsistent. To me, there's a bit of inconsistency about it. In that, if I've made a challenge and it's been shown to be correct, mm. I don't get another one. Gone. What? What's the? What's the go with that? <laughs> well, I imagine that they were thinking. Um, we're going to bring in the challenges, but let's not have challenges all game long. But you're you know not going I mean? to have let's... challenges. You won't have them. Yet. We, we've got challenges all game on long anyway now, unofficially because of the officials with the out of bounds in particular. Well, that's driving that's... me up the wall as well, just quietly. 
it's too it's almost a bit too much but but by the same token the amount of time they've actually come back and had to correct the situation to say well whew, that was a lucky they did review it true i think if they can review those quicker now i know, I know there's only jeez they're, 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 doing, they're doing it pretty quick. I know, but, I know. But the, the, just the number of them for me, it, I'm starting to think, you know what? Yes, even though some of them end up being changed, I'm good with it to, to, to get back to the flow of the game. Well, exactly. Let's go back to the last two minutes. Correct. Had, let's go. But then I'm the sick of seeing players <laughs> every out of bounds. Yeah. I mean... And, and then the, the officials go, oh, maybe he's right. So then they feel compelled to, mm -hmm. to have a look. And I know some of them, that's happening anyway, even if the officials don't. And they're, they're doing it in the review centre and they, and they are doing a, a really good job. So I don't have a problem with what what's happening. It's just, to me, it's two stops. It's, it is becoming a little stop-start. I don't understand the logic behind if you don't, if you get one right, how you don't get it back. Mm -hmm. I also don't understand how throughout the course of a game, if there's a jump ball, if there's a, if there's a disputed uh, situation that's uncertain, the little possession arrow. Now, I don't agree with the possession, but the possession arrow is there. But now when there's a, a shot, oh, hang on, there's a review. Yeah, you're correct. So now we'll go back and do a jump ball. Mm. Well, well, well the, to me, that doesn't make, it's not logical given that you're going to use jump balls for these other situations that are happening, which you could make the same argument for with, with a challenge. Mm, no, so I now, hear you. I hear, and, and the, and the other thing is the loss of the timeout is a huge factor. Correct. You know, and that's something that the coaches are starting to, that I think that have wheeled it out and they lost and they think, geez, five minutes later, they think, I wish I, I don't wish yeah. I still had that challenge. I wish yep. I still had that timeout. That's, the, I think, the thing that a lot of them are thinking. So, Well, Adam Ford was one. You right. know, he had that challenge on Casper the other night on Saturday, which was a tough one because it was only a little grab. But the foul was there. He challenged it. And even then, I think you saw Casper saying, oh, hang on, don't, mm. don't, don't challenge that. Mm. But he does, and then they lose that time out. And that, in a close game, probably was one, obviously, in hindsight, we don't get it right. You go, well, I'll have that back. That risk-reward there's a balancing act in there because it, when you get it wrong, to lose a timeout can be very significant. So, so it's in place. It's in place at least for the next two weeks. Yep. Um, given that's that they're the rules, right? It's, it's yep. you lose the timeout. It's uh, you don't get the challenge back. All those kinds of things. That's how it is for the next two weeks. And as you said, we're seeing instances where it's crucial to the outcome yep. of the game. What do you think? What's been the learning thus far? Thus far, in terms of the strategy of using it, because for me, I think if I think the learning for the for a lot of the coaches would be, I'm holstering that thing until the very end of the game for for a call that could change everything. Yeah. Now the Crocker one's a pretty good example yes. because a, your, one of your key guys was about to foul out. Yes. And, well, and, and getting yeah. it right kept him out on the floor. But using it in the third quarter or second quarter because you want to get one up on the ref, I think we've learned that's not the go. No, that is 100% not the go. The only exception I would have to that is if, if you're a coach and my man's on three fouls mm. and you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play him here and, and it might be in the second quarter or it might be in the, early in the third 
and there's a dubious one on him. And he's saying, well, hang on a second. I don't think he's foul. He's not three fouls. I don't think he's foul. And you're, there's an element of doubt there that you want to check. I, if it's a key player, then maybe you need to burn it then because with certain teams, key players can, is going to have a profound impact mm. on, your, on, on being able to play that guy more minutes. Mm. So there may be, but yeah. But those by huge large, plays down the stretch. Yeah, by and large, I'm waiting there. But if it's yeah. your main guy, you may not get to down the stretch where it becomes right. close. If it's Bryce. If it's Bryce. You know what? If I'm the Wildcats, you know what, Bryce? It, the coach's challenge is yours, baby. That's it. <laughs> if you want to do your Johnny Travolta, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, because I just think... You, if you're Connor Henry and you used a coach's challenge uh, so that DJ didn't get his fourth foul midway through the third quarter, for instance, yeah. then it comes down to that play. Now, the way that challenge worked out and, and Crocker didn't foul out and not Cam Glidden ended up not going to shoot three free throws and we jump it in the middle of the floor, Yeah, that's an enormous play. It's a game. And you want to a- have that thing in your pocket for that yeah. moment. We're all geniuses in hindsight, and and who knows? Because who knows what would have happened mm. if that challenge wasn't in place? I don't think Adelaide win that game because mm. Cam goes in, he makes those threes, changes the complexion of the game altogether, mm. and um, I think it's a different outcome. So, so, and it was the, ultimately it was the right. I think it was the right decision. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Even albeit that it was a bit. Like, did he? Oh, I wasn't. As well, it was interesting. I, because I was on the call for that one, and I and we right. saw the angle. We saw the angle from the baseline behind Cam Glidden. Clear, not yeah. enough to overturn. We saw the broadcast angle from up on high on the side. Not enough to overturn. So I'm like, well, you can't overturn that. That's no. I, I, I was kind of agreeing with you. But then when <laughs> I walked out of the, we walked out of the hub. We came down the steps, Drew. We saw the refs coming yeah. out of the replay. So yeah. what's got? What was up with that call? They yeah. said, oh, we had the other angle. Right. From the shoot, the baseline on the shooters, right. and it's been since then that we've been seeing that split screen where we yes. get to we get to have a bit of a look at everything. But yeah, yeah you I mean, know the the other thing about the challenge, and this is where the, the element of fairness comes in, mm. is that you can only challenge calls. There is just as many, or sometimes maybe even more, where a an error. A profound mistake has made on a non-call, as there is on a call, but you have no sense of recall on a non-call. Mm. So if we're there and we're two down, there's 30 seconds to go. I shoot it and get absolutely smacked, and for whatever reason, the rest miss it or don't call it. Coach doesn't get the chance to throw his red flag or say, yep. "Hey." Ch-. So, so in, in a fairness thing, it is, it's only dealing with calls. It's not dealing with non-calls. And non-calls, bad non-call misses are just as, a, as important as bad call mm. mistakes. Mm. So it's still, it doesn't solve, doesn't completely solve the problem. So if you're not solving the problem where it's fair across them all, I, getting back to it, I, I think that maybe if you just leave it, to, like you say, the last two or three minutes, okay, in this part of the game. I know you could argue and say, well, a call four minutes ago, five minutes ago can be just as significant in the outcome as there. But try to find some sort of balance. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But 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 um, 
but I'm just not 100% on board just yet. I don't mind. It's not like I I, I would be, it's not going to, I'm not going to carry up and down and say that this is ruining the game. There's right. none of that. I right. think it's, I don't think it's, but but whether or not it's it's really having the type of impact as opposed to the stop start nature of it, Mm. Uh, the jury's out for me. And, and I think these are important conversations to have because my understanding is it's, it's in place for the NBA Cup to have a look at it. You know, it like is. we've seen it in the NBA and, and and this is a chance to have a look at it, see how it plays in the NBL and so on and so forth. So you, these conversations to kind of assess how it's how it's playing out, I think are important. But but let's let's move off the officials yes. and the calls and finish up. Oh, who are you currently loving to watch? Is it, you know, I mean, we love to watch Bryce and him yes. just said his consistent excellence. But is, is there a guy when you, you're not on the call and you're sitting at home or you are on the call and you, you can, you find yourself in moments, is it Dayan Vasiljevic creating off the dribble as a first year pro? Or is yeah. it, who, who are you just loving to watch right now on the floor? Well, I, I really love watching as a team, the, the Illawarra Hawks. Mm-hmm. Um, Mainly because I love Gorge and I love the way he goes about it, and I love those, two, you know, Harvey and Jessup. I, I've had a uh, an association with Deng Deng, so you feel like I'm, I'm really hoping he does well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the same thing about DJ. You know, I go back to DJ when he was 14 years of age, mm-hmm. um, and Nick Abdusevich is coaching him almost every day, and. I got to coach him in the youth league. He had 50 in, in a game that I was coaching at the old, you know, the old Oakley rec centre playing a youth league game. Um, he comes in and has 50 mm. in a game. And just seeing his development um, and watching him grow and it's sort of he's doing now what he did throughout the course of his juniors. It's just mm-hmm. a, a more mature adult version of mm-hmm. what he did back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really enjoy him playing i've got that you got a little soft spot for, for for those guys when they're out there i've got incredible respect for uh scotty machado the way uh, he goes about it um the way he distributes the ball tries to run a team um you know he, it's hard because each team has got players that you like i although you know I'm never go down, going to go down in Isaac Humphreys' history as being one of his most favourite coaches. <laughs> I'll put it that. And, and, and we get along well, don't get right. me wrong. Uh, but he was at an age. and He, he wanted was at to a, play. He was at an age and he was at a time and he did play. You know, he wanted to play 18, 90 minutes right. a game or whatever. He, he was a walking foul back then and mm-hmm. that's one thing he's done. So he probably, you know, got hurt. So I'm never, you know, that's just, that's just, the way it is, you know, um, but I, I, I watch him and barrack for him. Hmm. I, I love to see, and I get a real kick out of it just because you have those, those personal relationships, albeit that it wasn't that personal. Like I said, I'm, I'm not going to be one that when he writes his autobiography, it's necessarily going to be, um, uh, one that would be that prominent to him, but it's prominent to me because, and, and I feel uh, what having spent just that little bit of time together with him that, that, that I love watching him, you know, and I, and, and um, I, I love watching the Sydney Kings because again, I was there for a very brief period of time, but you just get that 
affinity with some of the players. And, and again, some they're not going to be, it's not like there, there would be an excuse for them. Then they might think, well, geez, why would he, why would he have those types of feelings? But you just do. I, I just do. I, yeah. I, I have those bonds, whether they like it or not. Yeah. I, I'm really hoping to see him do well um, because I know. Mm. Mm. I know the personality and, you know, I, I'm the same with football players, even in a sport where I've had nothing to do with, but you get to know guys. So mm -hmm. you just, even if I go, oh, geez, I'm not sure about that bloke, but just because you know them, mm. you, hope they, you, hope they, you hope they do well. But right now, my favourite player um, is Jack Purchase. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. And we look forward to seeing him get out there and, uh, and knock some shots down. Yes, let's and, hope so. Help that hey, you know who? You know, back. you know. Actually, I, I take that back because as I think about, it, we had this conversation. The player that I watch the most, um, care about more than anyone else, and speak to on a regular basis, is Josh Giddy, mm. because he goes not not ten or eleven. I mean, I, I my relationship with him goes back to when he was. In nappies, so so so, and then coaching and spending some time with him through the juniors and, and working with him and, um, he is fun to watch. I love the way that he makes people better around him. When you think of um, DJ and Isaac, they should be slinging my man Josh a little because he is, you know, he is really been helpful to both of them, um, and to the entire team, but. Yeah, I, I, it was remiss of me to not mention Josh because well, uh, he's the one that I get right now are, are, are the close and the closest to. And and he's he's coming out of the fireplace and into the fire right now with Isaac out. And I mean, he he's coming off a, a weekend, a double where he threw one assist over over the two games. He was he was influential in that comeback. Yeah, against Melbourne. In, in various different ways, but... Shot um, it well in that one. He hit some shots. He did. He did. And he's shooting the ball much better, but um, fascinated to see what he and that team are able to do over the next couple of weeks to, to right the ship. Yep. Let's well, I think, yeah, no. Yeah. No, hit me. No, 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 that's good. No, I think that... Um, they're, they're, what are they, five and six and seven, Adelaide? Six I and seven. I think they're six and seven. Yep. So the, the ship is not... I think everyone gets overblown with a 40-point smashing, um, 44-point smashing, or what it might even be more, 46 mm. or whatever it was. Mm. But the ship just needs just to maybe – I don't know if you've got to write the ship because I don't think it's 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 not completely on its side just listing badly. Mm. It's just got to – It's just got some know, holes in it. Just needs a little cut and polish and <laughs> get some of the barnacles off the – side of it and she'll be right <laughs> good stuff truey great to have you back on oh, mate okay. and uh i'll see you over the course of the weekend and uh be well looking forward to it thanks mate cheers mate